0: You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is the podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Greg Hectus. I'm back. Mason Stiver. Hey, guys. And Tony Groves. Evening, gentlemen. And special guest, Michael Conti. Hello, world. Hey, welcome. Yeah, thanks for coming, everybody, and uh, thanks, Mike, for coming by. Um, after a great run in the peak race, uh, we decided to have you by and talk about that. And But first, let's learn a little bit about your history in iRacing. What started you
1: in iRacing, and when did you first hear about it? Yeah. So back, back way back when, um, 2009, 2010 or so, I was a console racer running uh, NASCAR nine league, uh, the real online championship series. And I was, I was pretty young back then too. I was like 12 or 13 years old and I was having a ball with it. I mean, it was a lot of fun and it was like the best thing I had driven, uh, ever beside NASCAR 2003. But, um, I was listening to a practice interview one week and, uh, Dale Jr. got up, and he was talking about this cool software that he's using, and it's a sim, and a bunch of people race online with it, so I started researching it, found out that it was iRacing, watched a ton of YouTube videos about it, studied the game and the sim, learned how to get on it, and finally convinced my parents at that point to get me some sort of computer to run, and we did that. Got a G27 off of the rig that I was running the uh, console stuff with, and kind of was a Bunch of stuff thrown together, but we made it work, and uh, been on our racing since late 2009, and it's uh, it's been it's been a long time. Been on here for almost 10 years now. I can't believe it.
0: Yeah, I was just looking at that. You've been around almost 10 years, and uh, on your stats page, your overall winning percentage 35.1. And I tell you what, we have a lot of people on the show, and I think that's the highest number I've ever seen for uh, for overall. So congratulations on that.
1: I appreciate that. Um, It it was not easy in the beginning. Uh, Like I said, I was extremely young and up to that point, I had only really done console stuff when I was really little. Um, I had started on NASCAR 2002 and my dad and I had run on that and we did a bunch of offline stuff. But I mean, how much can a five or six-year-old know at that point about a sim? But I got off that and then ran the leagues, but I had no clue uh, about how the competition was going to be an iRacing, racing, how quick people were. So I struggled in the beginning and it was it was a long road to hoe. but uh, you know as of late, I've been, I've been making it happen. and um, there's not really a race that I go into anymore on the oval side where I don't feel like I've got a shot to win and that's really cool for me. Um, with that being said though, the competition is just as good as ever. There's so many young guys coming up, and they kind of remind me of where I was a few years ago, so the competition's awesome. It's getting harder to win, but, um, you know, the numbers are saying that I'm not old and washed up yet, so I'm proud of that. Now, in your history, you mentioned
0: originally hearing about it from Mr. Dale Earnhardt Jr., and now you're running for JR Motorsports, and, and we, uh, we had seen that they got you a computer, And so we know about that, but tell us about what other hardware that you're running uh, as far
1: as wheels, pedals, monitors. Yeah, sure. So uh, beside the computer, I don't really have anything special here. It's a stock Logitech G27. It's got thousands and thousands of miles on it. It's not new by any means. It's worn out. The buttons are faded. I can clearly tell where my push to talk is because the chrome around it is all worn out. It's down to the plastic. So it's old, but it's reliable and it works really well. Um, I've never driven on anything other than a Logitech product. Um, bought something from Thrustmaster years ago. Um, it was, it was dead out of the box. I mean like a fluke thing, nothing against them. They did nothing wrong, but I just kind of took that as a sign just to stick with the Logitech equipment and um, it's, it's done well by me and, and it works well enough. So yeah, Logitech G27, really good computer, great monitors, an older rebutto that I got for main performance PC back when they were a sponsor of mine. So, um, yeah, you don't really need thousands of dollars worth of equipment to be quick on here. And that's something that a lot of people misinterpret, I guess. They go out and they spend a ton of money on wheels and pedals and shifters and just all this crazy stuff, but it really doesn't make you faster. It's actually probably better to learn on the inferior stuff. Probably makes you a better driver in the long run. Right. And then you got three monitors. What size are those? So I had 24s, and um, you know, with with Junior Motorsports supplying me with this equipment, I've been able to upgrade to 27s. So I've maxed out the capabilities of the Abuto, and I've got three really awesome ASUS 27-inch monitors. So with this new cup car package and all the craziness with the drafting and the pack racing, the extra um, size of those monitors it, it's paying dividends.
0: So the Abuto Ozone or the other Ob- the newer Abuto? Ob-
1: It's the, uh, it's not the revolution, Um, it's the The ozone. Ozone, Mm -hmm. right. Yep. Yeah,
0: 27 is uh, the biggest, I think, that'll accommodate, right?
1: Yeah, and we had to do some uh, engineering on it, too, to kind of get the monitors lined up. We had to drill some and slot some holes and do some aftermarket uh, alterations to this thing to make it, Fit these monitors, but we've got it set up the computer runs like a champ It's overclocked to like 5.2 gigahertz or something crazy like that. It's got liquid cooling I mean this thing blows The last computer that I had out of the water and the last computer I had although it was old um, it was built eight or nine years ago it um, It still held up really well um, for the age of the equipment, but this thing is awesome We've run a couple races on it now, Vegas and Texas, and uh, it's it's been smooth as silk. And uh, I mean, I can't say it's made me any faster, but it's definitely been good knowing that the equipment isn't my problem at this point. If that makes sense. Right. What about software like
0: uh, TeamSpeak, obviously, but what else besides that while you're racing? So
1: I don't know a lot. Of, I don't I don't know that a lot of people know about this, but um, we actually have some pretty awesome stuff going on with. Uh, the Microsoft office suite and how we've integrated it with um, our telemetry program. So um, just to give everybody listening, an idea of how our practices go uh, obviously I'm driving the car. That's, that's my duty. I can, I can definitely work my way around the garage. I know what everything does. I can make adjustments, but I leave the big stuff up to Brandon Hastings, who is my crew chief in the peak series. So what we do is I go out for a run. I turn my telemetry on. Uh, We use MoTeC, excuse me, as the uh, software for that. And what we've gotten the whole deal to do is, I run the telemetry, I stop the car, shut the telemetry off. We have the telemetry actually uh, being routed to a OneDrive, which all of the Team Conti members have access to. And Brandon Hastings is actually able to get telemetry, um, not completely live, but on a slight delay which makes our practice much more quick. He's able to make adjustments um, quicker. He's able to recommend changes quicker. So um, that's a big part of our process, the software with uh, OneDrive and then MoTeC. We use MU to export. So we've got a lot of stuff going on there, but beside like overlays and iRacing related stuff, I use trading paints, but I think everybody really does, honestly. So really beside the whole OneDrive MoTeC thing, nothing too special software wise. That is pretty cool. All right. Uh, and then what is your most memorable moment in iRacing so far? So that um, that's a hard one. I've Like I said, I've been doing this forever now, so I've got quite a few. But given that I'm racing for Dale now and you're, I've, I've looked up to Dale all my life, I guess we'll go with uh, Pocono 2011. Uh, at that time, I was attempting to make the Pro Series. Back then, you had to run uh, 12 weeks of the Class A car and then the top – I think it was 10 from each of uh, Seasons 1 through 3 were promoted into the Pro Series that fall. So I was going for it, Season 1, 2011. Uh, We get to uh, Pocono, the old bumpy Pocono, which I loved. And um, Dale happened to be running to get back into the Peak Series at that point. So he was running Class A pretty routinely. And I happened to get into the same Class A race as Dale at Pocono. So we're racing with each other the whole night, you know, not exactly side by side, but you know, maybe he's fourth and I'm sixth, or he's fourth and I'm fifth. We're we're pretty close, and I just couldn't get by him. And uh, we were coming up on green flag pit stops. He sounds over the chat that he's going to pit, so I'm like, okay, let me follow him and see if I can make up some time here. Coming down pit road, you know how the Pocono entrance is. You You can be really aggressive. It's a straight shot in there, so he starts slowing down. He's backing it down, and I just fly around him on the pit road, somehow make pit road speed. And at that point, I'm like, oh, wow. I just passed my hero on the pit road at Pocono on (laughs) iRacing. Like, this is awesome. And again, I was 14 or so back then. So again, like thinking as a kid racing against your hero, uh, it was awesome. So get on pit road, make the pit stop. We get off pit road. I beat him off pit, pit road. And the last run of the race, I just drove away from him and gapped him. And after that race, that was it was an awesome feeling. It was, it was exactly why I had signed up for iRacing. I wanted to race against the best of the best, whether that be sim racing guys or guys in real life that were using the sims practice and that race in 2011, um, you know, that made that dream come true. Okay. Very good. Um, let's talk about car number. What is your preferred car
0: number and why? And also as a piggyback question, uh, with JR Motorsports, was there any pressure to drive an 8 or an 88 or any of
1: the, you know, signature numbers that, you know, they kind of are associated with? Yeah, that's a great question. So all of my career on racing, I've run the number five car. Um, the first actual race car I ever drove in real life was a Bandolero down at Charlotte um, in the summer of nine And that happened to be the five car. And ever since then, as a sentimental sort of thing, I guess I had driven the five Um, I've always been a huge Hendrick Motorsports fan. I happen to work for the automotive group side of things now, and five is always a Hendrick number. So, you know, between the driving the Bandolero and then it being a Hendrick number, you know, five is always my go to. Um, And it it did well by me too, won a championship and a bunch of races with it as well. And I think a lot of people knew me and associated me with the number five. Um, When Junior Motorsports drafted me this year, um, I had asked them if I could keep the five. Um, since it was a junior motorsports number up until the end of last year. uh, And they wanted to keep things parallel with real life, so they said, you know, we can't do the 5, but we can do the 8 or the 88. So at that point, the 8 was the next best bet. I had actually drove the 8 in the Pro Series in 2011 after the 5 had already been taken by somebody uh, higher up the rank than me, I guess. So, you know, obviously prefer the 5, but the 8 I I've run with as well. I've actually never... I never won a race in the eight. So that's definitely one of my goals this year. But, um, if I can't have the five, the eight is definitely the next best thing. Well, it's like big uh, shoes to fill kind of thing, right? (laughs) It is. It is because, I mean, obviously Dale drove the red number eight for years and that was the car that I always looked for on track. And that was the car I followed. So, 2019 rolls around iRacing is getting bigger junior motorsports is involved and here we are with the red number eight back on track so it's pretty awesome yeah it's looking good out there and so next up uh you know no
0: surprise that mr brad davies was selected by junior uh, motorsports right because he's a great driver but also because he works at junior motorsports obviously and has a a personal relationship with dale um but uh tell us about the you know being selected by literally what i would consider the top seeded team or one of the top seeded teams that was involved early on obviously um and what that was like uh did you think it was going to be them or did you have any idea and have you actually talked to Dale yet
1: yeah so it was it was quite the whirlwind um december and January, Um, just kind of getting things together and figuring out what our plans were for this year. Uh, We didn't know about the draft until um, it was either really late December or early January. And and up to that point, we were actually working with a team that is now currently in the draft. We were working with them to put together a pretty big deal. Um, It was going to be massive, probably the biggest deal in peak history. And we were so, so close to signing with them. And then all of a sudden they hear about the draft. We hear about the draft and we're like, well, I guess we can't move forward with that. So we put all that on hold and between us putting those plans on hold and then the actual draft results coming out, there was a good like three to four weeks in between. So at that point I'm just, I'm ready to find out where I'm going to end up. Like we were so close to a deal and now I've got to wait and there's all, all the suspense. So after that, kind of fell through. I, I didn't really know where I was going to end up. Um, I had heard through the grapevine that I was pretty far up the draft order. Um, top three is is what I was able to find out. So I knew that I was going to be, or at least I thought I was going to be picked pretty early on. I had hoped that I'd be picked pretty early on. And uh, the night before the draft actually happened, Brad Davies sent me a, a message and he was like, Hey, can I call you? And, um, I've worked with Brad for a couple of years now with the team Conti deal and we've worked on setups together and we, we've been friendly, but we're not really on a, Hey, can I call you kind of basis? So I knew something was up there. So he called me and he was, he was telling me about how JRM was part of the draft and you know, they were pretty far up the order and they were looking at me as their number one pick if they could get me. And, uh, I was in shock at that point. I, had, I didn't know that it was going to work out that way, and I was honestly honored to be in the running for them and to be labeled as their top pick. So, yes, going into the draft the next day, I had an idea of where I was going to end up, and then he was able to confirm later on that day that they were able to pick me as the third pick, and they, they got what they wanted. And at that point, I had gotten what I wanted too. If, I, you know, if we couldn't have the deal that we were going to put together before the draft, and obviously Junior Motorsports was was going to be my preferred drafting team. Again, with the Hendrick affiliation, looking up to them for all these years, that was going to be the team I wanted. I wanted to drive a Chevy. Um, so a lot of things going on there, but, um, you know, it, it was definitely a big deal for me, and I, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that does sound exciting.
0: Um, okay. And uh, so let's talk about the race a little bit, uh, you were running really good there i mean p5 uh and at the beginning though it it was kind of your race it was in your hands there for a while um
1: and and also tell us you know you're looking for a sponsor too i heard about that yes i'm glad uh i'm I'm glad the message got out there so that that means that um, my interview went well so that's that's positive so good to hear um the race went really well for us honestly we've we've qualified in the poll the last two races now which is awesome uh, Auto Club wasn't as awesome. Our race pace wasn't where it needed to be, but we worked on it, and Texas race pace was really good. I'm not sure if we quite had enough to completely outrun Lusa, but we were we were there with him. We just got an, on an alternate strategy. We didn't think we could make it on two stops. We went for three, and it ended up costing us more time. So at, that, at the end of the race, before the last or the second-to-last caution, we were going to finish eighth, which we finished eighth a lot this year. So I was hoping for something just different than eighth, better or worse. And, uh, we got those last two cautions and got lucky on a couple restarts, didn't get caught up in the slew of wrecks that were right around us and finished fifth. So we've had four top tens so far this year to start the season. And we've had, I think the stat is 11 top tens out of the last 12 races dating back to last year. So, we're consistent as can be. We had a great end to last year and we've started this year off the best we've ever have. So obviously the next step for us from the business side of things is to bring some partners in. Uh, we've got Junior Motorsports on the car, which is awesome. You know, repping JRM, that's cool and everything, but we want to get some new blood in, I guess. We want to get some people excited about it and we want to show that there is a return on investment with, with sim racing. The viewership is up exponentially this year. There's been a huge push from NASCAR and the teams involved to market this deal, and I haven't talked to or seen one person that's watched Peak for the first time this year that hasn't watched again. This series is hooking people in. The racing is outstanding every week. There's never a shortage of action, and uh, with how big eSports is getting and with how this series is growing, uh, we really think that uh, if we can just bring some sponsors in here, we can show them that uh, eSports is the way to go in the future. And uh, we're hoping we can attract some attention to that and get some uh, get some people on this car. That's right. Get in early before it blows yeah, up. Absolutely. Well, I mean, if you would have gotten in a couple of years ago, and you know, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to talk about this, but hey, why not? Um, we were asking for peanuts for sponsorship, like ten, fifteen dollars a race on right. a championship winning car. Um, at, at most, maybe I made. 50 bucks a race for primary sponsorship. Like, now, Main Performance PC treated me very well, and, and Mike gave me a bonus in 2014 after the championship. So outside of Mike, you know, we it was not a very lucrative deal for us as drivers from a sponsorship standpoint. We we basically had to bank on placing and, and getting some cash from iRacing. But, I mean, even now, it it is it is dirt cheap to sponsor one of these cars. I don't even think you could sponsor a local car at like a, a short track level for the price that you can get in on a peak car right now. So I mean, now is the time to buy. Now is the right. time to get in because it's only going to get more from here. Oh yeah,
0: and uh, the purse money this year is amazing too. So that's oh, it pretty is. cool.
1: It is. I mean, 100 grand spread across the top, uh, 25 I think it is. That's that's huge versus the last several years. It's uh, I mean, we were we were excited with 10 grand back in the day, and now we got 100 to fight for. So right. Yeah, it was a huge surprise when that came out. Okay, uh, moving on. Last question.
0: I want to ask you about Brandon Hastings. He's uh, on your team. Uh, Why I like to follow you is is part because of him. We actually follow Brandon on the forums, and that's how we get ideas for the podcast topics. He's one of the few people that we do follow uh, on a regular basis to get ideas for topics. But anyway, uh, tell us about Brandon and how his schedule works because he is a full-time job uh, working for Penske Racing, and he's at the racetrack. The real race tractor in the
1: weekend so how does that work so um i'm actually surprised you guys listen to hastings because uh you know i'm I'm not sure about some of the things he says sometimes (laughs) in the forum but anyway um moving on so hastings is an awesome guy i've known him for a long time now and we've worked together in the peak series for uh on and off for about four or five years like you had mentioned he is a part of a real team he's uh he's not with penske anymore he took a different opportunity um, he's with, uh, young racing in the, uh, truck series on the 12 oh. truck. So, um, it, it gives him a little bit more work-life balance. He's got some more time at home to be with his girlfriend and, um, he can kind of balance that better. So all good there, but he's got a lot on his plate still. Um, even with it being a scaled back schedule versus Xfinity, um, you know, he's at the racetrack almost every week. Whenever truck, uh, series is racing, he's, he's there. Um, he's in Texas this weekend he does tires at the racetrack and he does interior and a bunch of other stuff back at the shop he does some it for him he kind of does everything uh, super smart guy uh super intelligent doesn't really give him himself enough credit half the time so i'll do it for him um, but he is the he, he drives us to success without hastings we would not we would not have that whole convoluted one drive motec telemetry process i would have never thought about that myself Uh, He has fuel books. He has crew chief sheets. I mean, he really puts a lot of time and effort into being prepared for each and every peak race. He treats peak racing like he treats an Xfinity or truck series race. And he's not even a, a crew chief in real life, but he still has that crew chief, car chief mentality. And that is a huge help to us. And there's there's been many times where we've started off races pretty bad, way off, and he's either figured out a strategy or a series of adjustments to get us back in the running. So, um, he's he's a pleasure to work with. I can honestly call him a friend, and I'm I'm happy to have him around. All right, what an asset. Yeah, absolutely. And no, then, he's an asset. Uh, sometimes <laughs> just part of it, but you know, part of the word. But you know, that's that's fine. That's a relationship okay and let's wrap up with you know, like you have a spotter or other people on your
0: team we need to thank and and tell us about uh you know your team and who's behind you and and anyone else you need to mention
1: so we don't really have a spotter per se i guess hastings and our other crew chiefs on the team for the other team county drivers uh the crew chief kind of doubles as a spotter um but we've got uh five guys working together again this year same five guys we had last year uh competitor wise Uh, Nick Ottinger, Matt Busa, Brad Davies, Brian Schoenberg, and myself um, are the driver lineup for the Team Conti um, Alliance technical deal thing. I guess you could say we can't really say we're on the same team because we're not representing the same Team owners, but you know, we're still an alliance. I guess that's the best way to put it at this point but um, you got the five of us then you've got crew chiefs uh, Matt Holden is with Nick Ottinger uh, Caleb Eisenhower helps with Matt Busa Um, And then uh, Pat Millay works with Brian Schoenberg and John Prather works with Davies. So each driver has a crew chief who again doubles as a spotter. Um, And yeah, it's a great group of guys to work with. We didn't break up the Alliance this year just because of the teams we're representing. We wanted to stay working together because we've... Uh, learn from the past that we do better than uh, versus than how we do apart so they're great guys we all have a common interest and that's just to run really well and win and have fun doing it so uh, great working with those guys and uh, without them we wouldn't be where we're at okay cool
0: yeah sounds like a great group Uh, a bunch of heavy hitters there Um, and then finally uh social media how do people
1: keep up with what you're doing so uh, definitely best place to follow me is on Twitter, uh, at mikeconti Conti 5, the number 5. Uh, pretty active on there. Post almost every day. So definitely drop me a follow on there. Other than that, I mean, I've... I've got an Instagram. I don't really use that a lot. I take a lot of pictures of food, but I don't think the listeners of this type of podcast care about that. So unless you want to see my food, um, don't follow me on Instagram. <laughs> uh, uh, Facebook, uh, don't really have a racing page on there. I am looking into getting uh, into Twitch and streaming. It seems like almost everybody streams these days. and uh, So that may be coming down the road, so stay tuned. Uh, but that's, that's about it. My Twitter is, is where to go if you want to follow me.
0: Okay. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. You're welcome anytime. Uh, Let's get into topics, but first, uh, let's talk about Sim Racing Authority. Uh, iRacers Lounge Podcast does host their uh, Sunday Night Xfinity Series. And so they did run on Sunday at Las Vegas for the fourth race of the season. Benjamin Nelson claimed pole position for the second straight week. 130-lap race went five cautions, totaling 19 laps. Ben Nelson claimed the stage victory. In a dominating performance from E-NASCAR Peak Antifreeze Series driver Ben Nelson, he would go on to lead 108 of 130 laps to take the victory. While Ben commanded the field up front, the mid-pack was full of close hard racing. Five drivers were DQ'd from the event, racing the, reaching the incident limit with notable casualties such as Tyler Ducharme, Connor Anton, Tyler Sifford, and Ethan Kurtz. Tempers flared in a late race shootout with Tyler Ducharme and Connor Anton coming together resulting in DQs for both parties. Jake Nichols would bring it home second. Nick Corsell, pit strategy would net him a third place finish. Uh, tune in next time as they go to Lucas Oil Raceway. So check those guys out. A bunch of good drivers over there. And they got a couple peak drivers too.
1: That's a stacked field, isn't it?
0: Oh, it is. Yeah, those guys. There's a bunch of guys in there, and I think the average I rating is around four thousand or something. But it's pretty high.
1: Yeah, those are a couple up and comers too, with the Peak Series, Nichols and Ben. I think it's, uh, I think it's both of their first seasons. So that's that's good to see that they're branching outside of Peak and getting some more laps in. There you go.
0: All right. Uh, in topics, I got the first one. Uh, the I Racing put out a, a video from the Pro Invitational Truck Race. It was a recap video. And even though that's kind of old news, I wanted to bring it up because wow, I was like blown away by this video. Now you gotta have sound on when you play it because the sound is really what makes it. It's like a hip hop. And uh, I I wanna say it's the best iRacing video I have seen to date uh, by Drew Adamson. Uh, He is just a monster with these things. But it was so cool because you could hear, like, Michael Waltrip in the background a little bit, you know, making a call. Uh, The trucks, the way they did the paint jobs, they put the driver's name on the quarter panel in really big letters. So it's really easy to tell who's racing who. And I I just really like that, the way they did that.
2: That was a nice one.
0: All right. uh, Mason, let's talk about the peak race.
2: Alright, so we had the uh, NASCAR peak, e, or sorry, eNASCAR peak in a free series, um, Texas 250, 167 laps uh, during afternoon conditions. Uh, we had a couple new teams hop on right at the last minute here. Latart Esports with drivers Nathan Lyons, or Nathan Lyon, no S, sorry, and Chris Sheerburn. And then also at the very, very last minute, we had uh, Team Dylan Esports with drivers Benjamin Nelson and Blake Reynolds. So it's interesting to see the. Uh, pro series champion finally got picked up on a team
0: well the teams are dropping out of the sky i mean should we have a i racers lounge team you know and the peak series i mean mike michael do you have any idea what it takes to for these for like an austin dylan to say okay yeah
1: i want a team how do i get involved so that's a, that's a good question too from what i understand there are some requirements that you must meet to be um eligible as far as enrolling um you can't just be couple random guys trying to throw together a team and, and joining they're, they're not going to allow that. But if you're some sort of personality, I guess you could say that's going to bring in viewership and you're willing to pay the entry fee, uh, they will, they will take you on. So we've seen Dylan get in recently. We've seen Steve LaTarte. So the, the common theme there is I think iRacing is really trying to get as much NASCAR participation as possible. And a lot of these, drivers and uh you know steve being in broadcasting they're seeing the buzz around this thing so they're they're showing interest and iracing is doing a good job of uh, putting the offer out to them and we're seeing a lot of teams join at this rate everybody's going to be drafted by the end of the month or well maybe next month but yeah we're getting there quickly
0: i think that's it you got to be a celebrity you got to be well known you know we've seen some nfl guys get involved too and or you know other professional sports people
1: yeah, it's growing at a, at a rapid pace. We talked about the prize pool, but the more participation we get from these types of guys, the quicker the series is going to grow, and that's going to lead to more opportunity for all of us you know, next year and in the years beyond. All right. Uh, and then
0: I missed most of the race. I caught the end of it, uh, but I think, Mason, you got the beginning, and and it was really all Michael Conti there at the beginning, but Ryan Michael Luzo, he was coming on strong, and he eventually got you there, didn't he?
1: He did. Yeah. He, um, he, he was pretty even with us the first 10, 15 laps of the initial run there and pulled away from him a little bit and was feeling pretty good about things. And then he started to slowly even out and then he, he started mowing me down. Um, uh, and at that point, the car started to go away and I knew that I didn't have much for him, put up a decent fight for a couple laps, ran the very top, which is where I ended up running most of the night. But he just had the car on everybody. I mean, Luza has just been so, so quick the last couple of years, and he uh, he's always there. So unfortunately, couldn't quite compete with him, but um, we were close, and that gives me some confidence going into the intermediates that with just a little bit more myself and then probably some other guys, Leahy, Zelensky, they were pretty close too. I think we can definitely give Lusa a run for his money. Yeah, man, and the track rubbered in big time. I mean, it was –
0: I, I was watching on my phone while I was at work and at the beginning no rubber and then as it progressed I was just kind of paying attention to that and boy just so much rubber but uh, through the middle of the race it was really about pit strategy three versus two what did you pick and why
1: oh well, we picked three because we didn't know two would work and that's just as simple as it would as, as I could brew. put it math didn't add up going to the race when we did a fuel run uh, we ran 51 laps and ran out of gas. Well, it was a 167 lap race. So, you know, you can't can't make that on two stops for that math. But for whatever reason, there were some guys out there that were getting much better pit strategy. Granted, the track did slow down as it rubbered in, as you had mentioned, and the weather was a little bit warmer. But um, I'm not sure if it's a gear thing or a drag versus getting the spoiler out of the air sort of thing draft draft. I don't know, but somehow these guys were able to go like four or five more laps and gas than us. So we couldn't do anything but a three stop strategy. Um, I had mentioned in my interview after the race that we had kind of gotten caught off guard on that, but looking back at it, it was honestly the best strategy for us and the only strategy. Um, but in, in the long run there and as the race wound down, you could clearly see that two stops is quicker. So wasn't the best strategy, but we did the best we could with what we had. Yeah, big wreck with 10 to go. Uh Challenger
0: in uh, a damage car uh, get or a damage hard a damage car gets hit by Busa, and then they collected Crowder and Bias. Uh, that closed up the field, pit stops, second to last restart. Zelensky gets flipped on his lid by Ottinger, <laughs> and then a one lap shootout. Uh, and then Leahy, man. He, he He's rock right there, man. He's knocking on the door. I can't believe uh, we we're going to call him Mr. Second place, I guess, but um he was uh, trying, but he didn't have anything for Luza and Luza won it.
1: yeah, and uh, it's unfortunate that Leahy hasn't been able to close the deal here, but he's second in points. He's netted five hundred bucks from two second place finishes, and he's got a lot of speed. so, Good news for Leahy, bad news for Ottinger. You just mentioned that he triggered that last caution there. Um, the peak incident report came out today. Uh, Nick had an accident at Auto Club. It was deemed to be his fault um, with the late race accident that Ottinger was a part of at Texas and the points being doubled because it was within five laps for restart. Um, at this point, Nick will be sitting out Richmond because he accrued too many points. Ooh. So with no drop weeks either this year and Nick being, I believe, he's seventh or eighth in points, that's going to set him back. So Nick is really going to have to get up on the wheel of that 47 car uh, come, I believe, Can or Talladega. Talladega's after Richmond. So he's going to have to really step up at Talladega and have a lot of good finishes because missing Richmond's really going to put him in a hole wow i didn't know that that is something
2: and, and they can't win and get in right to the playoffs so you have right. to win on points
1: yep you have to be consistent and be top eight in points winning will do nothing for you if you don't have the points so yeah it's it's a long road to hoe for mr Ottinger. but again he's my teammate he's been doing this just as long as me and he's had a lot of speed so if he can just keep it straight and keep his nose clean. I'm not going to say he's out of it by any stretch of the imagination, but he's going to have to have a lot of good finishes to get back in it.
3: Hey, Mike, do you think that they're going to uh, change the way, now that there's all this NASCAR p- participation, do you think they're going to change the uh, the formats that uh, have uh, stages and, and do it the exact same way that the
1: uh, um, NASCAR is doing it right now? I know it's been talked about before, but, and this may not come across very well, but I'm going to say it anyway, racing the Peak Series, even without stages, there's really never, like, a lull in the action. Like, yeah, we had a long green flag run at Texas, but still, there's cars racing everywhere on the track and the broadcast did a fantastic job of showing that, yeah. so... NASCAR iRacing they've talked about it before but honestly the consensus has been the racing in peak is phenomenal why screw it up if it's not broken so I don't know if you're gonna see stages anytime soon now as as the peak series grows to be closer to the real NASCAR stuff with all the NASCAR involvement I'm not gonna rule out stages being implemented but um, definitely no time soon and I'm fine with that too I like the green flag runs I like the strategies You know, that two-stop versus three-stop, you're not going to get that with the race broken down. And besides, you know, we're racing at 50% distance, so the races are pretty short to begin with. You probably couldn't do three stages, maybe even two at most. So I don't foresee any changes anytime
3: soon. Would uh, Would you like to see the win and get in, though, at it?
1: I think it depends on how my season goes. So ask me after the cutoff <laughs> race. and I Ask uh, him if he doesn't have one. Right. Well, so I, I look back to last year, and um, you know, last year was an up-and-down year for us. We had a lot of speed at certain points, but we started off really slow and bad. And I barely got in on points. Um, so a win and your are in sort of thing for me last year may have been advantageous. Now, the year before, 2017, I did not make the playoffs but I did win the playoff cutoff race at Michigan. So if it were a win-and-you're-in sort of thing, I would have made the playoffs in 2017 and would have finished third points. So it would have benefited me there. It really wouldn't have mattered last year, and it's yet to be determined this year. But I like the consistency that this format promotes. I think if it's a win-and-you're-in sort of thing, you're going to have a lot of guys not really put forth as much effort Every week, like we see now, the losers and the Leahy's. I think if they were to win, they would just kind of start messing around and playing around with setups. And I don't know. I like the consistency that this format brings, and I think it's a good balance between what we have in real life and then what we have on the sim.
0: Yeah. Lots of viewership. Uh, I, I saw 109,000 views on the NASCAR Facebook page. Uh, That's not even counting the YouTube page and Twitter and everything else. Mm -hmm. NASCAR was heavily promoting this race on all their social media. And uh, if you dive into the comments on those feeds, you get all these race fans, you know, with all these crazy comments like, is this a real race? Where is this at? You know, and and they have no idea what they're looking at and uh, and they're getting an education. So it's really uh, getting out there. That's
1: good, right? What does that say if they tune in and they can't tell if it's real or not? Right, Exactly. So obviously the racing is is close to what it is in real life. The broadcasting is always top notch. Yep. Uh, Race spot is phenomenal. They've taken oh, yeah. that deal to a whole nother level. I'm glad to see Tim Terry still sticking around. He's been with it forever and he's awesome. Uh, Evans Evans great as the lead, and then Randy provides a lot of good honest insight as well. So 109,000 views just on Facebook. I'm sure Twitch probably had views in the tens of thousands. Um, and then you've got YouTube, too. So getting back to that whole sponsorship thing, maybe 150,000, 160,000 total views for relatively low, low cost of entry, it's it's honestly a no-brainer to get involved. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, let's keep moving. Uh, David, next topic, greatest show on virtual dirt, Volusia.
4: Well, the world of outlaws has started. They had their first race. Um, if you're following along in the show notes, you may notice that we have posted the video, the promotional video that they put up before the race. And I was watching this just earlier and was quite amazed. Uh it's as good as anything that any of the networks on for the real series put out. Very, very exciting. It makes me want to watch it. Uh and then we have some results as they have run at Volusia. And uh it was interesting. There was the thirty. 30- uh, five car field, and it was a thirty lap run at Volusia. Uh, there were even some familiar names in there uh, racing, starting off the race for the twenty five thousand dollar prize, or prize pool. Um, some of the names mentioned are uh, Stewart, and I lost my place in the article that I was reading, but I saw Stewart there, and and a few of the other guys' names. But uh, it started off with a regu- with a, a regular winning
0: alex bergeron
4: yes as alex red run uh, he is something took, else isn't took the he? win
0: he's a teenager from canada and he is just tearing it up on dirt i mean he wins everything
4: and i found the names uh swindle Stuart, kane and kinzer were involved in one way or another as well well as but, far uh, as
0: teams they were right
4: yeah so um, like
0: you'll see casey kane racing out there and i did watch the replay of this race on YouTube. Uh it was a good race. I just put it up on the big screen and let it run and um the announcing was good. Uh, the action was just nonstop. I mean it was it was fun.
4: Yeah, we uh I think the uh, dirt racing is really starting to mature in the sim if it if it hasn't already.
0: And the best part of dirt racing is the dirt, right Chris? he's not here to defend himself way to go after him <laughs> i'm sorry i had to i had to say that uh logan Clampett was in this race i think he won his heat but then he finished like 10th or something but if you
4: follow following on the show notes there's a few other uh good pieces of information that you can click on too we've got the spotter guide linked up for you there's a race recap as well as the race article that you can give a read
0: all right let's keep moving uh greg server update
3: i'll go through this one pretty quickly here uh if you go, they're in the forums here. They're talking about uh, maybe some problems with the U.S. Uh, server. Uh, some p- people are having connection problems with the server with higher pings after the October 2018 um, build, and then the Nover, November 2018 uh, switch then. I, that was when they switched, they switched the to uh, Boston. server. Yeah, so um, you can go and trace it back to iRacing. If you want to look for that, you can go into... Uh, the forums and search uh, is your latency much higher in the US farm than uh, 10 2018? If you want to look it up,
0: yeah. So, if you're having a latency problem, uh, they want you to do a test basically and get them the uh, results of the test, and then they will try to, to address it basically. Yeah, everything's covered in the topic there on the forms page. You can it'll show you how to do it. All right, I haven't had a lot of reports of it, so I don't know if it's a problem, but uh, Tony, Cruz Pedregon,
5: Yeah, uh, two-time NHRA Funny Car Champion was uh, hopping on iRacing for some fun, posting it up on Twitter. Um, taking a look at his rig, it looks pretty well worn in, so I'm not familiar with, uh, with Cruz, but uh, it looks like he's he might have been on the server for quite some time.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's got a uh wheel and pedals. Uh, his he's got like a old you know computer monitor slash TV, and it looks like it's sitting on like a TV stand, like you'd eat a TV dinner on while sitting in front of your couch. And um, but yeah, and it's, it looks like a nice little stationary rig with made out of black pipe.
2: How can he see over the wheel?
0: Yeah, I noticed that. It's like the monitor is really low.
3: Maybe he's looking down at it type thing, like staring down the sights of it. He's pretty tall. Could be. It looks like a
2: Fanatec CSL is what I would guess.
3: That's the yeah. uh, Xbox version.
5: Yeah, it just looked a little worn in and stuff. So, um, I, I just, yeah, it's neat to see if, if that's the case and he's been on the a, on a service for a while.
2: That's just kind of cool. And that is a midget, it looks like he has loaded up there.
0: He's the dirt guy, all right. Another rig review. This time, Kyle Larson.
3: Now, Mike, Rick. I, Mike, I remember you posting this one up right off, right as soon as you saw it, because uh, it's got your favorite topics when it comes to monitors, field of view. Uh, Larson, uh, Kyle Larson posted up a photo of his, uh, I guess, new rig here, and uh, what is it, the K K13 or W13? Sorry, R1. Sorry, it's a WR1. Sorry, I got that wrong. Um, and man, is that, it's a nice, it's a nice sleek rig. Um, we've, we've talked about this before, haven't we? Yeah. Covered it. But
0: what was funny is, uh, yeah, the FOV is all wrong and, uh, it's like really, really wrong. It's like, uh, they just plugged it in and they didn't set the FOV and then you took a picture of it. And he put it on Twitter, but it was funny. If you read the thread below, all the replies, uh, he got basically trolled by a bunch of guys saying, "Hey, dude, your FOV is all wrong." Well, Not and then I guess afterwards, Larson's
3: wife, uh, Caitlin, got into it and uh, was doing some laps in the dirt at the Chili Bowl. And they got and the f- FOV fixed for that. Yeah, it looks way. like it's it looks like it pretty good, and that's a it's a nice rig to look. To uh, drive on, it looks like he's got all the bells and whistles there. With, I really like that rig just for the s- fact that it's such a small footprint that it takes up. It's yeah. not
0: a very big rig. Well, um, and the computer sits in front of the pedals.
3: So, yeah, so you know everything's like within you know what did you say? It's two feet wide by like eight, maybe six to eight feet long. Right. Anyways, so then uh, uh, who got behind the wheel here? That she was. Uh, I don't know. Is that i don't know who she was telling there but how to drive but his wife was giving some more tips to uh someone else that was testing here on how to drive uh the chili wool.
2: seemed like just like a guy around the shop i think or some one of their partners
3: yeah so you know she gets in at once and uh now she's uh telling them what to do it's good good on her
0: all right i got the next one uh, Nick Ottinger uh, from the Peak Series, he posted up on Twitter, uh, he came home from a, a trip and had a surprise from his Peak Team, uh, JTG Racing, and their sponsor Kroger, uh, they had a bunch of boxes sitting at his house of products from Kroger, and he uh, put up a picture of in his, in his uh, kitchen with uh, Scott paper towels, and laundry soap, and Clorox detergent, and Downy bleach, and and Tide soap and Dawn d- dishwasher soap and all kinds of stuff. Uh, pretty cool. They they hooked him up. I guess he didn't get a computer like Conti, though. But, uh, hey, I'll take some cleaning products any day. Okay, next up, I'm going to do this one, too. Uh, Trading Paints Pro. I kind of got a better handle on how the new paint stuff works. And so I wanted to share that. Um, so, basically, if you turn on in the options under graphics inside the sim a check mark that says hide car number then you will see a custom number if somebody has uploaded it to Trading Paints and if that person is a Trading Paints Pro subscriber so if you're a Trading Paints Pro subscriber you can upload two paints one without a number and one with a custom number and so if you or that person who does that and uploads both of them, and you're in an NIS official race, and you're in front of me, and we're about to go green, and it's telling me to pass the 20 car, pass the 20 car. But in front of me, I see the one car. I see visually a one car. Why? Because I had that check mark turned on where I could see the custom numbers. And it actually messed me up because I was trying to pass this guy thinking I needed to be in front of him, when in fact, he was the, uh, the number that I uh, was supposed to be behind. Uh, but visually, I couldn't tell that. And so I ended up unchecking that box because of it. I guess the, the lesson is you only want to check that box if you're actually in a league that actually assigns numbers and that everybody in that league is using Trading Paints Pro. That's really the only time it really makes sense to have it on. What do you think, Mason? Did I get that right?
2: yeah david tucker made an interesting comment here he said or you could just put it in your car, car folder by hand but we weren't sure whether people would be able to see it or not
0: no they you would only see it in that situation but you would only see it in a replay because when you're in the car you're not seeing your car number duh.
2: yeah that's a, a whole ball of wax if you want, if you want to deal with that so, i don't
4: understand why they have it set for official races i just don't i don't see the point Right,
0: they shouldn't even allow it for official races. That's what, you, that's what you mean, right? Because it doesn't make any sense because of the situation I just described. It sounds like something that'll be just kind of rectified probably in the next build. I don't know if it's by a bug. I think that's how they designed it. It's this, you have to make a decision locally as on your computer. Do you want that checked or unchecked? And like I said, you would only check it if you're in a league that sets their own numbers. That's the only thing that makes sense.
2: But I don't want to have to check and uncheck it. Like, I want to leave that setting alone.
4: Right.
0: So if enough people understand it and talk about it in the forums, maybe they'll change it, you know. Because it doesn't make sense to have it an official.
4: It also used to be set by the host. Uh, you could set, up, set it where it was not on or not, and that would be where you could basically control that setting by the league director and had a, instead of having every person have to decide whether or not this league is going to have numbers on and this league is going to have them off.
0: But the point is is uh, you're only going to see it if that other person has Trading Paints Pro. So like, if you're in a league and nobody has Trading Paints Pro, then there's no point.
4: So it won't even download them from, from other drivers who do have Trading because, Paints pro.
0: Because they can't upload it. You can only upload the one without the number if you're a free Trading Paints. And so right. if you can upload the one with the number if you're a pro. So that's the but, only time other people will see it.
4: Let's say you're Trading Paints Pro and I'm not, and you upload your custom number and we're in a league. I'm not Trading Paints Pro, but yours, yours is uploaded. Will I see that one or not?
0: Yeah, if you check the box on your end. Right. All right, let's keep going. Um, what he said, Mason.
2: We had a uh, an iRacing member here, Johnny Castro. He posted up a video showing some bad netcode issues. Uh, we got the video there, and he was in the uh, the Porsche at uh, Watkins Glen, the Porsche GT E car, um, and he was coming out of the pits here up the up the S's, and gets dumped. And like it looks like he still has an inch or two. Um, and again, he posts another, or later in the clip, he is going through the bus stop, and again, gets uh, booted out of the way because of netcode. And so it sparked a discussion here, um, asking how to fix it. Uh, Scotty McQueen suggested to Uh, Go in the app INI file and make some adjustments uh, to the replay settings. Replay patch remote cars equals zero, and uh, he says that'll fix it. Um, However, David Kamer came in to clean up the topic, and he said uh, to set that to one, which is what the default setting is, um, so that it is uh, so the replay tells you exactly where the car is. Uh, based on where the other driver's local physics code had him at that time. If you set it to zero, it doesn't replay with the back patching that they have set up to go back and confirm that that car was actually there.
0: Okay, you totally lost me there. <laughs> yeah, but so
2: leave it alone is what the whole point is.
0: Because it does something called backpatching. Okay, so let's talk about what this means. Okay, so if you have it on one way... What happens is when you go and look at your replay, you're seeing the physics or the net code as it happened on your machine, as you saw it, as you personally saw it when you were in the race. You're like, that guy came down into my lane and, and swiped into me. That's what you see in the replay. But if you set the setting the other way, then what it does is it actually goes back to the server. It goes back to that other guy and grabs the exact positioning of his car at that moment and then brings it back to your computer. And so when you hit replay and hit play, you're gonna see the position as he saw it, not as you saw it. And maybe you'll see him, he didn't go down into your lane, he stayed in his lane, and it was a netcode or something like that. And so that's what he's saying is if you toggle this one way or the other, you can see your version of the netcode and you can see their version of the netcode.
2: He said that once they added this backpatching feature, that the number of complaints and protests went down by a factor of 100 or so. So it's been around for a little bit. Um, People were just kind of bringing it up because they were tired of getting spun out.
0: And so the OP was really asking, you know, why does it look different, you know? But anyway, it is kind of confusing.
2: They did say AI has helped increase knowledge on this, so maybe there'll be an update sometime in the future.
3: Well, doesn't... uh... Probably the damage model will help that, too, because it won't be jagged edges. It'll be smoother edges to know exactly where the car is, right? Yeah, it'll be less that coating, right? It'll be, you know, that'll be the actual front of that car is the actual front of that car, not a point somewhere on that car is the actual front of the car as it is
0: right now. Okay, next up, another example of why the beta UI sucks. Just one, because I didn't want to take too much time. (laughs) Mike's favorite
3: topic. So... I'm getting all your favorite topics today, Mike. Um, so uh, I'm just trying to bring up the name of uh, who posted it here. Um, anyways, uh, it looks like someone did a test here with the beta UI just between the, uh, the normal iRacing service, uh, the internet part of it, and then the beta UI. And so from clicking to the browser, to the test session, and then into test drive, it took them 57 seconds just on the browser part. Now, going through the beta UI, uh, and then to the test session, and then clicking a test drive, took them three minutes and 11 seconds. Now, you know, that's a lot of extra time. I mean, it's probably no different than when you kind of, the beta UI acts like a, you know, loading up a game, right, type thing. Um, So, it's, it's like
0: loading twice because you have yeah. to reload later. It's, it's, see, that's why I've always had a problem with it from the very beginning, I think, is because of this particular thing. 57 seconds to do it in a browser, but over three minutes if you're in the beta UI. Why would you do use the beta UI?
2: That's nine laps at Martinsville that I could have driven.
0: Right. <laughs> and, and it's just as simple as going into a test session. I just want to go into a track by myself. Like the most simplest thing you can do in iRacing, and it takes you over three minutes just to set that up and get it launched. That is ridiculous.
3: Yeah, and it's and like I said, that it's acting more like you know when you turn on a video game and start it up than it is just as the service as an internet browser. When you pull, turn it on, it's right there. It it it's just it doesn't it, it's it's like the beta UI is for something that they're trying to do in the future that we have no intent, no idea what it is anymore like what they're going to do um also there was another example here um I'm going to butcher this name uh the Gieps- um, Kirkio sorry about that Giuseppe <laughs> Giuseppe sorry my bad um he posted about uh having problems with the uh Time zone issues again in the video. I am not staying uh, when he clicked on them, and uh, Steve uh, has gotten back to him asking about about it. And uh, I don't know if there was any solution from it at all. It doesn't look like they they just fixed it.
0: it, Apparently they didn't fix it, so it's not fixed. So yeah, yeah. All right, let's keep going. Um, I got this one. A new tire model version seven issue has surfaced. and this is a tough one. I, I, I kind of was begging for help. I, I hit up Hammer, but he's too busy doing other stuff. And uh, there were 48 pages on this forum topic. And, of course, I can't sit and read all 48 pages. But um, anyway, what it's all about here is <clears throat> the main issue is that a flash, temper, a flash temperature is either not modeled or uh, correctly. This would result in a roughly linear function between the friction coefficient and the tire temperature. It would also explain forced understeer, which equals more grip since you are forcing heat into the fronts by increasing slip angle, which absent flash temperature modeling would mean more grip. Now, I know that doesn't that doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, here's another way to put it. The number one problem with this combo. Was the fact that turning the wheel more resulted in more grip. So imagine uh, at Belgium going up through La Rouge, the the most famous corner, and you're turning the wheel and you're going through the corner, and you're at the edge of grip, but if you turn the wheel more than you should turn it, you get more grip for some reason. That's the bug. So can you imagine that, David, you're driving your Ferrari and you oversteer the car and it somehow gives you more
4: grip? Um, I I only ran a couple of races in the Skippy, so I didn't pick this up. But yeah, it's a bug. Here's the good news. Uh, they put this out as basically a beta test and they found it. So I'm glad that they're finding this on one car instead of having it be put out on all of them so i think it's a good move i don't think it's a a catastrophe that this bug has been found and i'm sure iRacing will be working to fix it as soon as they can so i i I hope they use more of this deploying things with one car in the future so that we can get the beta test out because it it happens all the time you you use beta testers and it it just doesn't find what happens once something actually goes release
2: Yeah, and uh, another thing that's been an issue with the skippies, I guess, and this new tire that I've seen in a couple other Facebook posts in the driver's world um, has been if you are spinning the car out, it's better to have a neutral wheel when trying to save it than having a counter-steer wheel. It will spin it out further if you counter-steer, which is counterintuitive.
0: Like if you try to save it, you'll wreck for sure, right?
2: Yeah, that's what I've been seeing from a, a whole slew of people that have, have yeah. been commenting on it. Yeah,
0: I saw that, too. All right, let's jump to hardware-software. Greg, uh, Christopher Bell, rig review.
3: So this is pretty much basically the same different version color. of the one that uh, just a different color, the iRacing colors. It looks like the it's actually the iRacing version of it. Um, WR1 sim chassis that... Uh, kyle larson had he was just posting it up on twitter here and just basically showing it off he does, it looks like he doesn't have the same monitor as kyle or They're smaller but smaller but it's a you know in this color it looks really nice as well and it looks like he's got it on looks like he's got on rollers there to transport it around wherever he's showing it off i guess right now i don't think that's where it's he sits on it on rollers but um, that's
0: kind of neat. nice rig uh... though I mean, you you talked about the small footprint of that. I mean, it's so small you can just put it on a couple furniture rollers, you know, and roll it around. Well, like that that right there
3: is for like a compact, you know, that kind of rig. There, you know, is for like a small room. If you wanted, you know, you if you got it on rollers like that, keep it out of the way.
2: That's his motion rig.
0: <laughs> motion. All right, uh, David, new HP Reverb headset.
4: This headset is a very high-end set. Uh, it's running prices are starting at 600 The couple of things that they're boasting on it is a 2160 by 2160 per eye resolution. That's pretty much more than double the, the Rifts and Odysseys that first came out. Another, another one of their selling points is that they're using a, a true LED strip instead of OLED, which is supposed to help review, reduce the screen door effect. It does come with hand controllers. Uh, it doesn't require video cameras. The the head strap and stuff is is still looks like it's kind of a generation one style head strap. Um, but my biggest concern with this would be at that level of resolution and the fact that it's staying at the 90 hertz refresh rate. What computer can run it? Uh, and several people in the forums ask the same question. But for a top end, uh, for a top end gear, it it looks nice, but it's going to oh. re- require a beast of a computer.
0: 114 degree flv and uh it does look nice. This is this is definitely on par or better of the new rift we talked about with $200 more. Um I would definitely be looking at this if you were going looking at new VR. But Chad, yeah, you got to have a computer, don't you?
5: Uh, could this handle the uh the code hanger mod?
0: <laughs>
4: Maybe. Uh, I don't like know if it'll end up being design. necessary or not, but uh um I, looking at the top, I don't know if it will, if it were required or not. You know that, you you know how it can be with with any piece of equipment. The part on my Rift that broke is just this, really tiny, like millimeter thick piece of black plastic, and so. Uh, but I'm pretty well probably sold on buying the new Rift when it comes out because of the not just because of the coat hanger mod, but it looks like it's gonna. I'm really expecting it to be more comfortable with the way they redesigned the strap system. Uh, I enjoy the comfort of the Rift. I don't get nausea like a lot of people do. But after a certain while, the pressure points on my face, if I get an hour or two into a run, can start to really become a little uncomfortable. Okay. HP
0: Reverb. That's what that's called. Uh, Next up, I got a rig review of McLaren. Uh, McLaren Applied on Twitter. That's the name of their Twitter handle. They put up a Twitter post showing a uh, vehicle dynamics simulator that's being used by the world's largest automobile manufacturer to develop their next-gen road car and so this is a professional simulator and I I thought it looked cool because the it, it totally is like the dash of the car it's like a real dash of a real car like a real car seat And all that is like one piece, and it's all on a big motion rig. And then they got a big old half circle, you know, projection screen, so to speak, which looks like custom software.
3: My question is with stuff like this, like obviously, the net dash is not really necessary for anything. You just that they only have one area here that's really being used. At the end, it's this picture of it that we have on the twitter page here is it basically just to try to create a a field of view vision like something to look over is that right. what the
0: idea is yeah it should be blocking part of the screen because you look at the, how low that screen goes down it's down below her feet even uh, you can kind of see in the front so i think it's just what you said yeah because she's not supposed to see the screen there because in a real car a dash would be there uh, but pretty cool rig uh, check that out on twitter all right uh, next one tony uh, the icm rs
5: yeah it's uh another rig company i've not heard of them or even seen them yeah um and it looks like they're out of europe somewhere yep um the rig that they're showing up they don't really offer a whole lot of information on it in fact i don't I believe all they're doing is taking pre-orders. Now, what it looks like is uh, like an F1-style wood uh, setup.
0: Um, Uh, Cockpit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really a uh, lay-down style, too.
5: Right, right. It looks like there's a bit of a headrest there for you, but other than that, it's kind of a plain-jane... Cockpit. Um be honest, there's not a whole lot here that really excites me. Um and the the price tag on it's a bit steep. I if this is um the final product.
0: Yeah, if you scroll down the main page on the left, you'll see a pre order announcement uh for the F Sim V two. And so this is from December eighth, twenty eighteen, so we're a little bit behind, but like you said, the first time I've seen this company.
5: Yeah, there it is there. It's uh, the cockpit's made a of- um, finished in black. It's, I mean, for a, for a wood rig, it's uh it's a nice looking rig. Um, I, I think they, they kind of missed it on the, on the price point. Um,
0: but it's tiny. I mean, it, if you, if you really want to simulate a formula one car that you're really like crawling into a coffin, I mean, that kind of gives you that feel, doesn't it?
2: And the whole nose piece slides though. I think that might be where the cost is coming in, because that's all on a slider, that whole front section.
0: So it's adjustable for different length people?
2: Right. The seat doesn't move. The pedals move to you.
0: I see. Is that like foam that it's sitting on? It looks like foam that you sit across. It doesn't look comfortable, that's for sure. I've never been a fan of the Formula One-style rigs, you know, where they're more of a laying-down kind of look to them.
5: I've... I've never sat in a Formula One rig, but I've sat in some, like, Formula One-style go-karts, and those seats are, like, amazingly comfortable. There's
4: I've been out. wondering about that because we we ran a uh, endurance race recently, and I was doing two-and-a-half-hour stints at a time. And the tailbone gets sore when you're kind of sitting more horizontal. And so uh, I'm actually coming up on a review. I was looking at one of the other ones, and it's something that might actually fit my apartment. So I'm I'm tempted to try it out.
3: I think it's there's, just
2: you guys getting old.
4: No, <laughs>
3: there's something about that. The way you sit at the F1 style takes pressure off of certain parts of your body. Just the way you're kind of, it's like hanging in a hammock type thing. The feeling of like the way you're not fully up, but you're also not fully down too. So it, it cha- there is it cha- something about it.
5: changes your center of gravity, so it's, it's kind of it, spread it, the, more across, across the rest of your body.
4: Yeah, and the pressure points are spread out as well. Like like you said, Um, when I'm in the basically, I sit in an office chair, which is mostly comfortable. But after two and a half hours, I'm definitely having to kind of reseat just to keep the pressure from hitting hitting all basically one little area. Uh, So I'm tempted.
0: Isimrs.com. Okay, we got time for one more, Uh, Greg. This is probably on the opposite spectrum of cockpits tell us about the dof reality h6 <laughs> spider-man spider-man
3: anyways when you look at this this is talking about a footprint here this is a, uh, you know uh it looks <laughs> it's basically uh it's not an octagon what's the sixth one anyways um think a spider a,
0: with spider legs
3: yeah it's got spy it's got was it three or four posts here and then you got the steering wheel in the center and it's basically I think it's motors on post. all yeah sorry it's six posts but it's got three separate triangular party points I guess um but they're all moving the whole rig sitting above it so it's it's basically it just looks like a spider legs um hanging off of it off the side of the seat and watching this thing in motion it's kind of it's kind of weird to I don't know. It, uh, those arms are taking all the uh the weight of your whole body and everything. I don't know how well that how good that is for the motors too. It doesn't look too It right? does it. Uh, it just, you know, what happens if one of those corners collapse? You're going you're going, going
0: down. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of Okay, so I'm going to describe it vision for our audio listeners. There's a six-sided bar on the f- floor with the six motors. And on the six motors are these really thin, three or four foot poles that go up and attach to the cockpit. And the cockpit's kind of floating in the air uh, one to two feet above these motors. And they're uh, attached to these six spider legs, so to speak. And so then the motors move these spider legs up and down. Uh, with software, and it makes the motion of the cockpit. And you get all six directions of axis, so to speak. And so the seat, the pedals, the steering wheel, everything is moving because it's all suspended up by the the six spider legs. So it's a totally different design. I've never really seen this before.
3: And she's, once again, you know, she's not a cheap uh, rig here either. You know, $3,600. Uh, I'm guessing that's American. from a site, um, but
0: uh, yeah, it, you might need 220 just, to run it. I don't know. Look at that huge power supply in the video, off to the right. I mean, you got to have this big old power supply to run it. And... I just does it also defeat the purpose? Like, so say someone
3: that's weighs a lot more, the stress that those motors might be under, just the way that they've designed it this way, could that be, you know, very It it could be detrimental to this type of design. Just someone in there weighs a a little bit more, too, right?
0: Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's a weight limit, but it does look a little fragile. I mean, if you look at the video and the guy's, like, uh, doing rally cross or something, and that thing is moving around.
3: And this site's provided a bunch of different designs. This is kind of weird that they've gone this way from some of the other designs that are on this website i really have talked liked, about
0: yeah there are other stuff and this is definitely different
3: but just a, it's know, just a new
0: design it's functional all right let's get into uh the results let's finish up martinsville uh thursday fix from last week i ended up p4 uh, i ended up wrecking at the end of pit road oh my god i was so embarrassed so I pull out of pit road, and I'm like racing everybody, and you know how it kind of filters down coming out at Martinsville. I was like ghosting into a car, because we're all racing, and I couldn't really see ahead of me, and I was just a little to the left of where he was, but I was still kind of inside of him, and I ran right into the yellow ba- the yellow barrels, I, and it totaled my car. Well, I didn't total it, but it definitely uh, put me to the back of the, the pack. <laughs> But uh, ended up P4. I drove it back up through there. Um, it was quite a recovery. Um, and then the Friday open, uh, Tony Rochette got a P13. Got black flagged early, but f- uh, four laps down. He uh, never got waved around. Always had that one lap car that would stay out. It was a 21 caution fest. Uh, David, you got DQ'd.
4: Yeah, I just couldn't stay away from things. I had one guy just flat out dive-bomb me and punt me. The other time I got punted, the guy couldn't help it. I was, It was one of those situations where you, you see the accident before he does. And by the time I got on the brakes instinctively and he rear-ended me, but it went, I didn't place any blame on him. And then the final DQ, I won't call the guy out, but the guy was spun and both me and another car were going down to his inside under pace, not, we weren't trying to fly by him, but we just, we come down to get ready to go under him. And as right as we're passing him, he just puts the gas back on and pulls out right in front of us. And that was where I got my final DQ. Man.
0: And it's hard to decide when to go and you're stopped like that. He just picked the wrong time. You guys weren't passed, right?
4: Uh, yeah. And it had literally just happened. The guy just wasn't going to wait on people to go by, you know, I've, The the several times I had been spun, I I ended up two laps down just because I waited until there was an opening. And that goes back partially to what I ranted about last week with the pace car being too fast. All right. uh,
0: Tony Rochette, Saturday fixed morning. Got a P-19. uh, Ran top 10 all day, but then he uh, came out of the pit, messed up on a shift, spun, and impaled it on the pit road wall. Ooh. And then he ran Sunday open P-14. Uh was a fast car, but was caught up in someone else's spin. Uh, they had a over a 100-lap green flag run after that caution. And then Sunday Open, Mason, P1, and your first NIS win ever. Congratulations.
2: Yeah, that was a blast. Um, it was a tough race. We worked on the set a little bit beforehand and got it turning pretty good, we thought. Um, we get a little bit off on the long run, but at the end we had some short runs. Um, right coming down with about 20 laps to go. Uh, Two leaders in front of me wrecked, and uh, the gentleman trying to pass me on the outside got a meatball flag, and he was my biggest competition. I got a little damage in that, but could keep going. Um, Ran top five most of the race, um, except for one time where I pitted under caution and got sent to the back uh, because I was avoiding someone who stopped on exit. But um, after that meatball flag, old teammate Joe Owens was on the outside of me for the final two restarts, and uh, we, we raced pretty hard there and had a good fight at the end. Also, shout out to listener Jesse Gray. He was in our race and uh, had some fun racing with the iRacers Lounge crew.
0: And David, you got P2 there. You edged out Joe uh, to get P2. Yeah,
4: I think we may have a video of it posted. It was an exciting finish. I uh, definitely had the advantage of having a teammate and having a pretty good do when he was going to do the restart. I got a good jump on Joe on the last set. And... Um, he came in too hot on the next corner. Definitely, clearly too hot. And I, th- I, th- I must have reacted and saw that he was coming in too hot because uh, I didn't come down as low to the track as I normally would have. As a result, he did get on the brakes hard and got a little bit loose and caught me in the corner, but I think because I stayed up a little higher and had the wheel a bit straighter, I was able to save it and just still eked, just barely still eked out the, the, the P2. It, Joe talked to me afterwards, and I de- especially after looking at the replay and seeing the way it happened, I know it wasn't on purpose. So I've been on the other side of that and definitely overdriven corners. It happens to be more on road than it does in, in oval, but it was an exciting finish all the way down. And it was really cool to have the two band directors taking the top two. There you go. At Bartonsville,
0: unbelievable, too. All right. uh, Sunday fixed. I ran. I got a P-15. I was wrecked out several times. And I had 22 incidents. Um, At -hmm. one point during the race, uh, Mason and you and I were in that together. Uh, You got wrecked. You brought out the caution. You were spun around. You pitted, like everybody else, but you pitted the second time by, and you actually beat us all out. And so you were ahead of everybody, but you were the one who brought out the caution. How did that work?
2: Yeah, so I spun it off of four. So it was me, just one car wreck. Um, so I was very tail end of the line. And I knew if I pitted that time, that first time by, I'd be a lap down. So obviously I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait till the second time around. you know. So I did, pitted, second time around, and you guys were taking forever to get caught up to the pace car and so I went from 20th to about 13th place after my pit stop even though I was the one who brought out the caution and had pitted on the second time by
0: yeah and I think a lot of iRacers forget that that after you pit at Martinsville and you roll out of pit road you don't just roll around because you're actually fighting for position For the people that are on pit road at that moment that are getting ready to come off pit road if you can beat them around you'll be in front of them if you can't beat them around they'll be in front of you and that's exactly what happened and i was stuck about uh, you know around a bunch of people in the top 10 to 15 or so who were just riding around not catching up to the pace car and um and totally oblivious people don't even realize they're losing spots it's it's just stupid um yeah, Mike was having drives a, me nuts.
2: A, a fit there.
0: <laughs> it's like the most basic part of racecraft, and people just don't have it, you know? I'll take uh, them how I can get 'em. All right, you got a P5, so good run for you. Let's move on to Texas. Uh, Wednesday fixed, I got a P15. Uh, I suck, is what I put, and... Why? I just don't like this package at this track. It, this is not the same as it was at California and Vegas. It's just not. And uh, I don't know what it is. It's, it's kind of fun during the restarts. But once you get strung out, you're just single file. And I just and then I, when I get to older tires, I just fade more than others. And so I just feel like I sucked there. I didn't really enjoy the race at all. Uh, Tony Rochette ran as well with me. Uh, He got a P10. Uh, He got caught up in a wreck, but uh, still had a good battle for ninth uh, for the last 20 laps there. Uh, Wednesday open, I got a P28. I got caught up in a wreck with Mason, 44 minutes damage, (laughs) which was a ton. Uh, Mason, you got hooked, basically.
2: Yeah, we were restarting. I was in fifth. Um, The guy outside of me got hit into me, and that wreck should not have happened at all, we were just restarting in the first half of the race, I think, or right at halfway. Nothing to be gained by doing that, and it junked the whole field. Just stupid.
0: And uh, I usually don't throw out names, but I will in this case. Uh, a guy named Dusty Rhodes is uh, who was involved with us on that, and it was his. He did uh, mention it's his first race back in about a year. Uh, so I remember Dusty Rhodes from uh, before that. He was a NIS regular for sure, and uh, he was probably a much higher I rating too. So I was kind of surprised to see that his I rating had gone down so much that he was in our split. And I had warned uh, Mason about that, but uh, regardless of the warnings, he still clipped Mason and uh, took us all out.
2: He did apologize. Yeah, he was
0: nice about it. Uh, Tony, uh, your race was probably worse than that. Tell us about that. Not a whole
5: lot to really say. I, I think I made it a lap before I got taken out. Um it's just first lap stupidness. I mean we see it every friggin' race, especially down in the down in the basement where I race. Um it's a good way to keep me down there too. Uh, I I got bumped around and blew my motor head into pits and just called it quits
0: from there. Dang. Yeah, that was uh your luck has just got to shake it somehow, you know? Start in the pit or something. <laughs>
5: yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I got to do something. It's been terrible.
0: And then David Hall, no better. You also got a DNF.
4: Yeah, I just couldn't couldn't avoid the other guys. Uh, nobody had done to me anything. I just got caught up by other people's junk. Uh, the big one that really took me out, we had a guy that decided to be a two-tire hero, and... On top of that, the key people behind him had blood in their eyes, even though it was only in lap 45 or 46, and pretty much ran him over, and it. it caused a mess. And I, I was far enough behind it, I dodged the, the primary wreck, and then I'm down on the apron thinking, yes, I got through, and then suddenly there's a car in front of me that was a, a secondary wreck. And at that point, it was just kind of struggling to to s- stay in the race, and nah, I got hit again later and had so much damage, I couldn't get higher than 150 miles an hour. As a team, this
0: is the worst finishes we've ever had in a single race. Uh, the I had the best finish out of everybody with a P28. I mean, look at that, guys. I'm just embarrassed. But <laughs> All right, let's talk about Thursday open. I got P dead last. Okay, well, not completely dead last, but it might as well be because I was wrecked out in the first caution. Uh, the guy in front of me lost it. Uh, came back up across the track. I there's no way I could miss it, and it blew my engine. And so uh, really, really tough Texas week for me here. Um, Tony Rochette, he ran. He got a P5 uh, and uh, made it through all the carnage somehow. He had a good five-way battle for second for the last 18 laps, but got P5. Uh, Bobby uh, ran with us, and uh, Bobby ended up, Uh, getting wrecked out but he was in a position to win I understand that he was pretty uh fired up on the chat about it I think he was mad at a particular driver but I'm not going to get into that all right then David tell us about um you're keeping an internal NIS points uh for just our team uh tell us uh how the top three are doing in there
4: in the open series, uh Chris Stales continues to hold a lead, but our first drop week has kicked in, uh, which has brought everybody in a little bit closer. He's you look across his stats and he's just been stellar this year at open. I mean, just he's got two wins and three top fives. He's got a fourteen lead over Mason, and I'm twenty four points behind in third. And then down in the fixed, it's been uh Brent McCoy dominating the standings, even though he took this it's week. Three off. wins. He's got three wins and three top fives. He took this week off, and so that ended up being his drop week for the first six weeks. And uh, he was he was out of town this week. Uh, in second place is Ellis with two top fives at uh, sixteen points behind. And our social media coordinator Bill Hall holding up third with thirty nine points behind. All right, Bill.
0: All right, and uh, Mason, tell us about your league action at OSRA.
2: Yeah, so we're in our second round of the playoffs here. We were at Talladega. I got a P3 in the race, had most laps led, a stage win, and I pretty much maximized my bonus points. I think I only missed a couple from the first stage. I got like third or fourth in the first stage, so didn't quite get the max, but I got everything almost else I could get. It was a a pretty good race there, so looking forward to this week and I'm first leading the points right now. So hopefully I'll get into this championship race. They take the top five and, uh, bring home a championship for Tafosi racing.
0: All right. And is that final race? Like you, whoever finishes ahead of the rest.
2: Yep. yep. All right. Um, we got They're also that league is recruiting. It's a super speedway only league. I think they're adding in Michigan and some of the other tracks for the cup car that you're going to hold it flat out for a while. Um, They're recruiting on Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern. They're running the Cup Card Gen 6 um, at 8 p.m. Eastern. So check it out.
0: All right, cool. All right, let's get into final thoughts. David
4: Hall. I'm excited that we had the one-two finish. I also did pick up two wins at Monza this week. Uh, we had spoken about my first win, but then after the podcast, I picked up another. And that one was top split. I was pretty excited about that. I'm All starting right. to really get familiar with that Porsche car. We also ran the Le Mans Endurance Series race. Me and Martin got together. Greg was going to join us, but he had a an actual casualty with work and had to opt out with us. Uh, plans on that next with us. <laughs> Casualty includes injuries in case anybody wants to g- get technical with me. <laughs> um, so we came in eighth in the second split out of six. We we had to register under me, uh, so we took the second split. But there's points in that series, so you want to be in the highest split you can. So I was pretty happy fi- finishing basically mid-pack in second split in uh, a tough level endurance series race. We kept the car clean, and that was just uh, how fast we were. All right.
0: Greg Hectors final thought? Oh well, now that I'm
3: uh, hurt from work. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I I missed all of Martinsville because of my uh, injury where I uh, hurt my eye. So I'm back to normal now this week. Uh look forward to running Texas tomorrow night. Um, I think, David, you said the LMP1 cars are at Silverstone this week. So I'm hoping we can get some racing in there and uh, just they... get going. Um yeah. I'm sorry. Just finally got are... back into it and uh, get racing again since I've um, got weekends off and everything now and just trying to get in the swing of things with a new job. So, yeah,
4: just looking forward to racing more. And they are at Silverstone, but that's only the sprint races. The The endurance races are every other week. Yeah, it's fine. The sprint race is what I want to do this week.
0: All right, very good. Mason Stiver, final thought.
2: Well, I'm exceptionally excited. I got my SimLab P1 coming in tomorrow, afternoon, evening time. So as soon as I punch that clock at work, I am booking it on home to start building.
0: All right. Getting your new cockpit all the way from Europe.
2: Yep. I'll put some picks up when I'm done or through the process.
0: Absolutely. That uh, is exciting when you get something like that. All right. uh, Tony Groves, final thoughts?
5: Yeah. I don't know what it is. Uh this year with the NIS series and me, it seems to be a lot dumber this year than it was last year. I don't remember. Like, you know, it's, it's, always got a lot of silliness down in the, uh, you know, down in the bottom splits, but it just seems to be amped up extra big, um, this year. I mean, Monday I was running with the old bastards at uh, old Milwaukee and the K and N cars, we you know we did a hundred laps there. We had one caution. Um, and that was after like lap four or five in the, nothing for the rest and maybe i'm just i just gotten a little you know too used to to that type of racing and it's really messing with my head with all the the shenanigans that are happening um in the nis but anyways you know uh just keep pressing on and moving forward i guess
0: start in the pits try that see what happens all right uh my final thoughts uh well, I don't know. I had to get a new keyboard. I really like it. I got the Razer. It was $100. Uh, like the LED colors and, and whatnot. Um, not liking this package at Texas at all. Um, I don't know what it is. It just doesn't feel like it did at California. I think it's because the track is narrower. Um, it's kind of fun on restarts, but after that, it's not fun, I and, and I heard other drivers in the race saying that, too. Hey, this is kind of lame, and we were just all just riding around, just, you know, single file, and I don't know. I just wasn't impressed, and I'm not impressed with NASCAR's package. Um, uh, they need to take the freaking downforce off these cars. They, they, they keep putting downforce on. They just announced that yesterday they're going to uh, add an additional two-inches to the spoilers for daytona and talladega and we're going to have a nine inch spoiler on the back of these cars think about that nine inches it's ridiculous people um i don't know what nascar's thinking what they're smoking over there but um pass it around we never did get in this topic either on here Uh, mike what about the schedule
3: that was posted this week for next year should we talk about that now or some one of well weeks? sure let's
0: mention it i mean obviously the schedule affects us on our nis next year and there's going to be i think the biggest difference is the two uh week off in the summer uh i mean tony uh was was saying man what are we going to do for two weeks that was his big concern there's always a race they you know there's always
3: something you can do
0: yeah
2: <laughs> work on setups
0: I like that Phoenix is the last race. I mean, Homestead has been the last race for 18 years, and it's time for a change. And I'd like to see it rotate. Now, they pretty much said it's not going to rotate, but
3: I'd love to see it rotate. Well, after, In. after next year, they can do whatever the hell they want with signing all the tracks, right? So it doesn't really matter That next year is the, the last year any of those tracks all have a contract with NASCAR.
4: Yeah. And uh, we need to definitely plan on a 2020 Safosi get together at Mike's house for the for the finale. For the finale, yeah. You know yeah, what? I, I definitely was, want
3: to go. That Pocono weekend looks like a good valued weekend with having the trucks, the nation, and then uh, the Xfinity cars there. Double as well as the, with the double header. So, how do we like, do
0: doubles in uh, NIS? IS?
3: Well, it's just going to be the one week. I I said just double up, make it six, or just double the starts. Have different times that week that there's an extra start or something like that.
0: And then you get Are double there, points.
4: There's a possibility the races may be different lengths. Uh, they were actually just talking about it on uh, Glass Case a little bit earlier. Right. Different
3: lengths, different ways of for They have no idea yet how they're going to even, how many cars they got to take That Do they got to take two primary cars and a backup? Or one car and a backup?
0: Like, there's all kinds of different things that they got to think about. Yeah. Well, I'm not too worried about the tracks. If they can't figure out the package and get the downforce off these cars. But, um, with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us
2: on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google play Facebook and Twitter. See you on the track.